good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that may be uh, tuning in to us or if you have connection with the Father. We thank the Lord for each and every one of them. I just believe God is up to great things. Okay, He always is good and He's always working on our behalf. So I want you today to go into this message today believing that, okay? Because we're going to learn today about who our Father is. And some things I believe that will be helpful in your walk with him because we don't know how God is. We won't come to him and we won't rush to him when we've obviously stumbled and fallen, but that God will do great and mighty things as we believe who he really is and what the word of God says about who he is. So we want to obviously invite you today to open your heart to him. If there's a prayer need, we ask that you would send it in to us and let us pray for you. Whoever you may be, wherever this broadcast is streaming, you may pick this up through YouTube or, or Facebook or wherever, but that you would be encouraged today because we believe God is encouraging us. Amen. We're glad that he's, he works in our lives. He is always with us. He is always, again, working on our behalf, and he loves us so. I pray that you would know the love of Jesus Christ like you never have before, and I believe that is his will and that he will make it happen. So let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and thank you that we can come together under the banner of love, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to you. Move in our midst. Move in the hearts and lives of those who are watching this now or even when it's recorded. We ask you, Father, to speak to hearts. And, Father, set people free. Jesus came to set the captive free. Father, you gave salvation and you came to give us deliverance, complete freedom and deliverance and, and wholeness, dear God. And you're the answer that we need. And so come into our hearts and lives this day and move in a powerful way. May fathers today be blessed. May they realize today that obviously as imperfect as we are, that God has set them here at this particular time. And we don't understand all the things that God does because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But dear God, today, you purposed in your heart who a father would be. And we pray today, Father, we certainly would strive to live up to that in the power of the spirit. But Father, when we come up short, we ask you to forgive us. But Lord, today, we pray that people would see the magnificent, majestic uh, glory of God in our lives, that people would be changed, our family especially. And Father, those around us, those in society, in our culture, in our workplace. And, and Father, today, that you would use us for your glory and for your honor. So speak to us now, Father. Let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth. Touch our hearts. And again, Father, may the name of Jesus be lifted up. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 64. We're going we're gonna to talk about, obviously, being Father's Day. But this is for everybody. And that is, the title is, What Kind of Father is God? What kind of father is God? We we'll know who he is, right? In fact, God wants us to know him. And I'll just say right off, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So when we read the things that Jesus did and so forth, what we're doing is seeing the father. And this one verse, obviously, in the Old Testament, there are many references to God as father in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. And even over 250 times throughout the Bible, God is referred to as our father. So father is really tender, isn't it? So let's look at it. In verse 8, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter and we are all the work of your hands. Our father, they named father. Why did he do that? You know, why, why did he say, why didn't he say uh, uncle? 
<laughs> our Father, who, our uncle who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why didn't he say that? No, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why did he do that? I believe it was for a purpose because obviously knowing fathers would be on this earth and a father is to obviously reflect the glory and, and, and power of our heavenly Father. We know right off that we don't measure up. We know that. But there's something that God does as we walk by faith through a father. It's very important. And we see today some things changing because we see that the father many times is, is sort of put down as a weakling, as someone who's a doofus, somebody that uh, couldn't, couldn't work his way out of a wet paper bag and so forth. And, you know, you see that on our programs and so forth. They, always, they look like they're confused. They look like they don't have any type of direction in life and so forth. And this is the way many times society is reflecting on who a father is in the natural here today. Now, I believe that's the work of the enemy because the father is very important in the family and the father, believe it or not, is very important in society. There is a role that the father has, obviously, and he is the head of the household and there's authority. There's a structure there. The authority there comes through the, the father, down through the wife, down and on trickles on down. Now, again, I say this, it's not a dictatorship, certainly, because obviously we pull together, but there has to be authority. It's just like in the marketplace where you have a boss. There has to be authority there, someone to be able to give leadership and to take on that role. So a father has been placed here for this particular reason. But I do believe why the family is being ravaged today is that, pop, that, uh, that certainly the enemy is trying to destroy the family. The family is foundational to our society. And we know that the enemy is working hard to try to destroy the family. We don't even realize it. And we're going to talk about today some things that I believe may be eye-opening to you and understanding this. And this is not just for fathers, actually. Because we, always, we already we know that we need to know who God is. Because if you know who He is, and, and what he's about and his whole purpose towards you and his attitude towards you, so to speak, in that way is that we obviously will have a relationship with him. But if that's not so and we have a different image, maybe because we grew up in a, uh, a home that wasn't representative of who our father is, maybe it was an abusive uh, relationships that we're in or, or maybe there was a kind of a tyrannical type of attitude that took place in, in the home and so forth and all, you think that our Heavenly Father is like that, and He's not. And so we need to know, and we need to get that correct. So when we look at all these things about who our Father is, I believe that it, we have to understand where do we go for the correct image of who our Father is, and that is through the Scriptures. Let's look at in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 16. The Word of God says, You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from of old is Your name. And then, of course, Isaiah 64, verse 8. O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you're the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. And so in the New Testament, we see here in Matthew chapter 6, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? He's talking about the fact we don't, not, we don't have to worry. He loves us. He cares for us. He will take care of us. You know, I was experiencing some things this past week about that, and I was talking to the Lord about it, and I was kind of kind of in a slump. I was going through a slump. You know how when you feel like that, it's hard to describe exactly. You don't know exactly and can't pinpoint exactly what it is, but you can feel you're just not where you feel like you'd like to be. 
You're not kind of walking in, in the way you would want to walk and all. And I just gave it. I said, Lord, I come to you right now and I just right now give my heart to you and I need your power in my life. I need to know you as my heavenly father. I need to know that down in my heart of hearts. And, you know, it wasn't a quick answer to that prayer, but it was sometime after that prayer that I realized it was almost like my spirit was being lifted up. And at the right time and the right way, God lifted me up. And he put me, obviously, upon that rock. His name is Jesus. And, and so I encourage you today, if you go through times, always, every answer you have, any problem in your life is turning to the Lord in prayer and asking him. He's very faithful to do this. Our Heavenly Father is so committed to each one of us that we don't even fully understand. And the Word of God gives us that direction in John chapter 6, verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. We want eternal life, amen? And I will raise him up on the last day. And then the apostles also refer to God as our Father in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ here. And so we see here is that our Father, as we know him, and, and we need to know and receive who he is. That he is a God who blesses us. How many of you know that today? Raise your hand. Amen. He is a God who blesses. Doesn't make any difference what we go through in life. He will take care of us. And he has our best interest in mind. Always. He's never against us. He's always for us. He's always, again, working on our behalf over and over again. And obviously, when we see that and when we experience that, we'll learn to trust him. You won't trust a father that obviously is going to betray you. Or maybe in one way or another to berate you. Or maybe to, to, uh, to treat you harshly. or Unreliable, uncaring. You're not going to trust a father like that, are you? But we can trust our Heavenly Father. And He always comes through, right? We want Him right now because we're a microwave society. But we know God in His timing, His way, as you turn to Him, is that He will obviously move in a powerful way. I talked about some time ago about the phileo love of God. And obviously there's an agape love of God, which is obviously God. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we know Jesus loves us. But the phileo love of God is experiencing the love of the Father. It's actually experienced at various times. Your heart is warmed. You see something and you realize, hey, God is good. And God has been so, so good to me and so, so kind to me here in reckless love. And that, I love that song because God's love towards you and me and is reckless. Amen. And I looked up the word reckless one time because I was singing the song and I said, what does exactly reckless mean and all that? It's without abandonment. I mean, he just pours it out. I mean, he takes a chance on us and loving us, knowing that we may not love him back, but he still loves us. You see, he loves the deepest center and depravity of depravity and so forth. He loves us. He loved the Bible says. And while we were yet sinners, what Christ died for us, we were still in our sin. We didn't get our act together and come to Jesus. We came to him just as we are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the phileo love, experiencing the love of Christ. And so uh, we know that our fathers who are cold and absent and distant and distant engaged in some way or another or if they're angry or critical or controlling there or maybe they were alcoholics or maybe they had issues and so forth all those types of things and and we know that obviously we did not see the correct image of who our father is our father loves us our society again has largely abandoned god's pattern for family relationships here <clears throat> and we know we see fathers being depicted there as morons doofuses 
people that can't get get around through life, people who really could give no leadership and so forth and all, and they just need to take a back seat. And so society has plummeted us with those types of images. And if we believe that, we see that, you know, we need to reject it because that's who our, our Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father is totally different than that. And he's, he's doing great things. We see here, you know, we see the crimes that are being connect, committed here in the United States. And we see the riots that are taking place. And, you know, sometimes I will say to myself, where were the fathers in these people's lives? We see them throwing bricks. We throw them assaulting police officers and so forth and all. And I go, where are the fathers at? What did the fathers teach these people that are doing these types of things? The father has such power to be able to, to influence a child's life from the age up. And then you think, well, my children are already grown, but you still have an opportunity to influence their life, believe it or not. You still have that influence upon their lives, no matter what you do and how you respond to them as adults and, and, and how you react to particular situations that they're in. And when you exhibit the love of Christ to them, when they're going through hard times, they obviously will see something different in your life that they want to be a part of. So we still have that opportunity there as fathers, mothers, families, and so forth here. Hey, here's my point. The view of God's fatherhood that we receive from our own fathers were flawed and imperfect, certainly here. So what do we do? Again, we look at the scriptures and I want to talk about three things here about who the father is. And that is the first fact that God defends us. I believe and I've always said that if if God would take his hand off of us. We would be in a heap of trouble. Right now, God is defending you and me. God is taking care of us. The Bible is the Lord Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the Lord of hosts. And that is actually commander of God's armies. He is a commander in chief of God's armies. He directs that. And, and so if God would take his hand off of us, then right now is that I'm, we would be obviously flung out into space because Jesus, the Bible says, he holds everything together. But we know that obviously the enemy would completely devour us. God protects us. If we could see into the spirit realm right now, the war that is going on, that somehow trying to keep us from drawing close to God, we would be fully amazed. But you see, our father defends us. You think about it. You know, Allison, my da our daughter, and all and, and stuff, I would get to a street corner. I would get in Walmart, and then the, sometimes the cars go by in the front of Walmart or whatever. I, I would hold her hand even though she may be a little stubborn and want to pull against my hand, I would hold on tight to her because I didn't want her to run out in that traffic. I didn't want her to get hurt. And that's the way our Heavenly Father is. When we somehow are right in the midst of danger and potential, obviously, really disastrous things, He holds our hands and He protects us. He defends us. He fights on our behalf. And believe you me, there's a war going on. There's a war going on for our souls. I certainly is very, very real here. God, obviously, is committed to defending and protecting His people. And he's ready to do battle for us, and He will not abandon us, and He will not retreat. The wonderful blessing about that. But you see today, God is depicted. He, they don't want to talk about God as being like a, a, a mighty warrior. They don't want to talk about Him in that respect. And even onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. It's, it's somehow taken from the hymn books and we can't do that anymore. But you see, our Heavenly Father is a mighty warrior. He is somebody that fights on our behalf. He defends us. He's a father who takes care of us. That's good news, church. 
That's great news that we can trust our Heavenly Father. Wonderful blessings about that. You know, I believe he defends our country also. You know, there are times, obviously, this country is not perfect. We know that and all. But yeah, obviously, it's a place where we can come together and worship and, and we can raise our families and <clears throat> we can make a living and so forth. And I pray that all the enemies of the United States of America will be defeated, too. Sometimes it may not happen, certainly here, I, but I would wish that it would. But certainly in our cases, God defends his children. You know how much more as fathers and mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers, how you would protect your children and defend them no matter what. You know, uh, I, you know I could share some stories with you about it, but um, when I was a kid and all, my father, all he stood up for me. Obviously, I, I was in school and I played basketball and there were some things happening and, and uh, uh, the, that I didn't want to run track. I could run track and we probably could have gotten a scholarship and so forth, but I didn't want to run track. I wanted to play basketball. So the coach of uh, the track and so forth, he kind of got it in for me. And this is in high school. He got it in for me, and uh, I, I was wanting to, to play basketball, and he said, you're not going to play basketball. He had it out for me, although I was good enough to play basketball, by the grace of God, trust me, but I wasn't, he didn't want me to, he didn't want me to play, so he told me, and he didn't want me to take in, in his class and, and prepare to suit up for, obviously, uh, practice basketball and so forth, so he kicked me out of the class, just simply because he didn't like me, and so my father got wind of it. And so my father made an appointment with the principal and the assistant principal. And he went in. And I remember I stood with him. My daddy was very nice about it and very firm. And basically, he said, who runs this school? You are that uh, particular person who had a lot of great influence in that school and the whole district and so forth. Which one of you run this school? And they had to say, what they wound up doing was giving me my own, I was the only one in the class. They put me in my own class and I got to practice six period to be able to do that. But I saw my father, what I'm saying is defending. He stood up for me. I'll never forget that. And I bet you y'all today, when your father stood up for you in the good times, and again, we're imperfect, but in the good times, when they stood up for you and maybe they did something for you really positive, you'll never forget it throughout your lifetime. That was many, many years ago, of course. But God, my father stood up for me. This is where our father, God, stands up for us uh, all the time, perpetually, every day. And you go, yeah, but I think he stands up for me when I'm really good and so forth. No, he doesn't. He stands up for you when you're really bad, okay? And when you're not, obviously, you're misbehaving. And when you're doing that, he always is for us. He's never against us. It's not a conditional thing. He loves us with that unconditional love here. The battle's going on, obviously. It's going on. And, and if you remember when the book, the book of Second uh, Kings chapter 6, the story is about the uh, Israelites were coming up against an army. I think it was uh, the Moabites. And uh, they were outnumbered. The Israelites were outnumbered. And Elisha's servant was scared to death. He was shaking in his boots because he knew, he saw those vast armies coming up against them. And they realized, we're outnumbered. We're going to be defeated. And remember what the prophet Elisha said? He said, Lord, open my servant's eyes to basically your presence and what's really going on. And God opened the servant's eyes and he saw the armies of the God, of his God around him, surrounding him. And he knew then he was okay. You see, we need to have open our eyes to see God's army around us, protecting us. How many of you even coming to work at the school, to a church this morning or maybe this past week 
and all that you uh, somebody swerved in front of you and maybe uh, cut you off in traffic. I see, obviously, the drive-by shootings. They're, they're road rage shootings now like I've never seen before. People are mad. People are sitting on the edge. And obviously, they'll shoot you in, in, in a heartbeat and all. But how many of you know that? And, and many times, you can look back and say, God protected me. My father protected me. I could have been taken out into eternity. But my father protected me. I know all of us. Maybe a memory has come back to your mind in talking about this. We're in a war. The enemy wants to take us out. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. His whole purpose is to take you out, to take me out. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's a war. It's a war to keep, keep us from being effective as a witness for Jesus Christ. And it is a perpetual. It won't get any better until we go home to be with the Lord. It is a major war. The Bible tells us in First Peter, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He is looking for us here. We obviously know we need to be careful and just walk with the Lord. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 4. So put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. The foothold here. And obviously when that takes place, we open the doors to the enemy. We need to obviously get, in the church house especially, we need to obviously have unity. We need to have forgiveness in the church. We need to obviously keep it in the bond of love. And God is calling us. Don't let bitterness get a root down deep. He wants us to be able to walk in love and unity, you see, because we're in a war. This is not against people. It's not against my grudge or whatever it may be. It's, you know, it's because of obviously the enemy is behind things. And obviously if the enemy gets really a foothold, then his mission is accomplished. We need to keep short accounts before the Lord and walk before him. Some people scoff at this whole idea and, and so forth. But it's real. It's real here. The good news is that we don't have to live in fear. We can boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus we can boldly live for Christ because God as our Father has promised to protect us against these powers. He does this, first of all, by giving us the weapons that we need to defend ourselves. And that weapon is prayer. Praying, getting on our knees, praying before the Lord. And you need faith. You need the shield of faith. Hold up the shield of faith. Believe God. Believe what He said. Don't believe what the enemy's telling, whispering in your ear. Believe what God says. Not only does God provide us with weapons, but He also Himself will stand with us in fight on our behalf. The wonderful thing in Scripture, Psalm 35 says, O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Declare war on those who are attacking me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin and block the way of my enemies. Let me hear you say, I am your salvation. And that is Psalm 35 here. The promise of victory in Isaiah 54. No weapon for forage against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you and this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their 
vindication from me, declares the Lord. So if you're feeling defeated, go to the Lord here. Seek his power. Ask his power in your life. And he will deliver you. The second thing, he defends us, right? The second thing here is he disciplines us. And you go, oh, Jim, I knew you were going to bring this one up. He disciplines us. Sometimes it's corrective action. Sometimes he wants to direct us and he will discipline us in that way. And sometimes when he wants to show us things in our lives that are just really not right, he will discipline us in one way or another. But it's not to obviously to destroy us. It's, it's to build us up, to make us more like Jesus. He always does it to build us up. The wonderful thing about it is that God is, again, for us, and he's not against us. Because in the book of Romans, chapter 5, he says that perseverance builds character and character hope. So we need hope. And sometimes it just takes the trials of life. It takes the disciplines that the Lord brings on our behalf that will build us up. And you say, how can that be? Because it seems like it will tear you down. No, it doesn't. It actually builds you up because there's grace that's mixed in that, in that discipline. God wants to do this. And remember, he's not here to destroy us. He wants us built up in the Lord. He loves us so much. He's not going to destroy us. We, no one, when we're in the Father's hand, when Jesus puts us in the Father's hand, nobody can pluck us out. We're a child of God. When we've been grafted into the vine, we cannot be ungrafted. When we've been adopted into the family of God, nobody, he will not unadopt us. He is for us, not against us. The wonderful thing about it. So no matter what you do, no matter how you act, obviously he will discipline us, but it's discipline to bring us back in line with his word and obviously what he has, his pious purposes for you and for me. That's what his discipline is all about. We know that obviously for in, in Hebrews chapter 12, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Pride is very, very subtle. Pride slips in. Remember, obviously, that's when <clears throat> Satan fell from heaven and God kicked a third of the angels out of heaven and became demonic spirits there. And they rebelled against God. Why? Because of pride. They were proud. Remember, he wanted to exalt himself in the place of God. He wanted to take God's place. And Lucifer, then, obviously, he did that and all. But pride in our lives is very, very subtle. And pride comes in under the pretense sometimes is, I'm always right and everybody else is always wrong. Nobody can really relate to that, can you? How many times you've said, hey, you know, that person doing this and that, they're always wrong, but I'm always right. Better get a kind of look at yourself inward. Ask God to shine his, his light of his spirit on your life because that's when pride comes in. I'm always right. They're always wrong. And that's the way we are. You see, that's that old human nature that's there we've been talking about. That old man that's there that never goes away, that we've got to crucify on a regular basis. But it's certainly true. And we know that pride comes in. And what does God do? He disciplines us. What's he do? He humbles us. What is the extension of the word humble? What is that? Anybody? Hum humiliating. Sometimes he humiliates, right? And it's like you feel, you see who you really are in the light of his uh, holiness. And then you realize, wow, I was wrong. And I need to obviously, Lord, come in and bring correction here. And he does that and he does that and he gives you grace and he gives you peace and comfort throughout all that. That's who our God is. And he disciplines us because the Bible says if he, we don't get disciplined, we're not his children. 
So matter of fact, we're going to be disciplined, right? We're going to be disciplined, but it is in a good way. That's our father. You know, when my father disciplined me, I didn't come back later on and say, Daddy, thank you for disciplining me. Did y'all do that? I didn't. Daddy did discipline me. I didn't come back and say, Dad, hey, I know this was for my good. You know, maybe he said that. I'm doing this for your good, son. And I always think, how can that be? Right? I mean, he's got the belt out or whatever it may be. Okay? But that's the way our father is. You know, we don't come back. But when we look back over our lives and we see how God has disciplined us in different ways. And so even in our sinfulness, even in our worst times, our lowest times, is that we see here, he turns it all for the good. How can that be? It's because he's God and he's for us. He loves us and he's obviously for us and not against us. He wants us to know that. Obviously, we've got to. He uses discipline as an opportunity for reflection, self-assessment. It's something in my life that I need to repent of, whatever it may be, pride, stubbornness, selfishness, uh, negative attitudes or impure habits or some idol in my heart that I need to just come before the Lord and confess it and bring it before the Lord. You know what I do? If you've got a problem in your life, come to the Lord like this. This is just an example of that. Lord, I've got a problem in that area. And right now I confess it to you. And I ask you to forgive me of it. And I ask you to heal me of it. And I ask you to cleanse me of it. And I ask you to restore me. Isn't that great? You see, God doesn't put shame on you. The devil will put shame on you because what that means is, is that obviously you, you, you're worth nothing, okay? And the enemy will work in that particular area of, of, of our understanding and our, our being. But when guilt is there, say, Lord, I feel guilty. What is it? And go before the Lord. I got a problem. And confess it to him. Bring it into the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light, then then obviously we know that he cleanses us from all of our sin. And so do that and know that God, when he disciplines us, whatever it may be, is a proof of God's love for us. And that sounds contradictory, but it's true. He'll discipline us. And the word of God is very, very clear about that. Even when we scream and holler and say things like, obviously, you know, you've heard I hate you and so forth. We sulk pout and obviously we know we won't come out of our room we do that as 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 children of God here and even what we don't understand and don't agree with what's happening just surrender your life just go into to, before the Lord and say Lord I just give it to you whatever it may be the third thing here is God's fatherhood is seen in his absolute devotion to us as his children here Jesus Christ came to give us an example he laid his life down for us, the ultimate sacrifice when he gave his life at Calvary to show us that he is for us, that he is always working on our behalf. Jesus Christ did that here. And nothing can separate us from his love. He's absolutely devoted to us. There's no one in, in our life, obviously, that is absolutely committed to us like Jesus Christ. But a lot sometimes of when we're devoted and we do say that and we say, well, it's unconditional. But if we really look underneath, there's a good possibility there's a little niche there of condition upon that. Our Heavenly Father is totally unconditionally sold out for you and for me. And that will obviously give us that motivation to run to Him when we mess up, when we obviously have fallen short, and that maybe we, we know, obviously, here we go again, 
Here we go again. Here we go again. You keep running to him. Don't run away. You don't want to go away. Shame. And I'll run to him. Don't run away from him. Even at that, he's totally devoted to each and every one of us. In John chapter 10, it says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I'll give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one here. Remember what happened to Peter? Right there before Jesus was crucified, he denied him three times. And Jesus said, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm prayed for you that your, fail, your faith will not fail. So Jesus has prayed for you and me too, the same way. He loves us just like he did the apostle Peter. And so Peter denied him three times. The last time with a little teenage girl. She said, I saw you with him. And remember what happened? Peter cussed. He cursed. He cursed. Terrible cursing. He was an old fisherman probably. Had really bad language. He cursed, okay? But what did Jesus do? He restored. He said, in due time, he said, I'm going to restore you. So there is nothing that God can't forgive. There is absolutely nothing. That's why Jesus gave his life. And so we see that he's totally devoted to us. He's totally. And we stumble and fall just like Peter did. Maybe didn't necessarily outright deny him in that sense. But in a way, our lifestyle sometimes denies him, doesn't it? Sometimes that happens. And so Jesus is saying today, he totally, they're totally sold out to us. And we see in Romans chapter eight, I love it because it talks about that we are heirs of God. You know, an heir is somebody that gets an inheritance, right? I like to be an heir. okay? and we are co-heirs with Jesus. okay? we already have an inheritance already laid up in heaven, according to what the scriptures say. But we know we have we are co-heirs. We have been grafted in the vine and we are we are children of God. And it says that we can call upon our father and we can say, Abba. Father, A-B-B-A, Abba, Father. And that is actually a meaning of deep, deep, deep intimacy. Daddy God, he's our father God. He's our daddy. He is that one that wants that intimate relationship with you and me. Abba, Father. I mean, it no more, obviously no more needs to be said about it. That's how much he loves you and me and he's devoted to you and me. And he says that today, obviously, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs of Jesus Christ. We're children. We've been adopted. We've been engrafted into the vine. We are children of the living God. One day we'll rule and reign with Jesus. How do you know that? One day we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Time's flying. Older you get. I don't know about you, but it seems like I stand before you on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and it seems like the weeks are getting shorter and shorter. I know there's seven days in between, don't you? But it seems like to me it's being squeezed into a very short time. I just stood before you last week and then there'll be next week and the next week. Time is flying. Give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. Believe him and trust him. He wants to give you joy and peace and patience. He wants to help you no matter what the situation is. That's our heavenly father. Just like our fathers. Our father, I'd lay my life down for my daughter. I know you would, obviously. We lay our lives down. I'd love, lay your life down. For him. He did it for me and he did it for you. Joy and peace and hope and strength and fulfillment that I long, we long for. There's no other thing that, um, that can make any satisfaction. I, I've got a Toyota. I'll share this. Y'all know me. And when I got it, there was a new car smell and I like it. And I've always shared about this too, but it didn't take long for the new car smell to go away. I mean, it's like, golly, where'd that smell go? In fact, they've got sprays. Now you can spray in there. 
and it's like a new car smell, right? You don't have a new car, and obviously you're waiting on to get one or whatever. Get that spray now and go ahead and get your satisfaction from that, okay? That's what I should do. But anyway, I'm looking on the showroom floor, and I should never do that. I never do that, okay? But I'm looking. And you know, under those bright lights, and they're all clean. They're all beautiful. Everything, the inside's clean and the outside's clean and all. And, and I'm looking down there, and I've got kind of a desire because... Uh, of a sports car can't afford it but i want one okay i know obviously i just try to be restrictive of that and i always tell cindy about it cindy said don't go on that showroom floor anymore don't do that she knows she knows so i'm looking at this really old sports car there in the toyota showroom it's shiny it's pretty i'm looking i'm going hey look it even gets good gas mileage i mean look at this look at this but then i looked at the price tag and i oh oh went on but you know i look at that and i have good a good time with it and i love that and love the dream i know you do too but i think about it it doesn't fulfill me it does not fulfill my innermost being only jesus can and i think sometimes i'm a slow learner in that because sometimes we just try to stuff things more and more and we want more and more. And it never really brings the satisfaction. Why? It's because God made us to be satisfied only with his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And knowing who he is. So instead of going on that show one floor, I should have stood over to the side and kept my head tucked in the book or the Bible or kind of prayer or whatever and saying, Lord, come and, and do something here because I'm, I want to look over there at that. Okay. And find your total fulfillment. And Jesus and your relationship with him. That's all. I know you've heard it before. But the reality is it's true. And Jesus just wants you to know him in that manner. If you've not in any way experienced that relationship. I ask you today to just bow your heads. And we'll pray that God would touch you. And those who are watching or those here in the congregation. Bow your head and say Lord I just. I believe I've tried to satisfy all of my needs through other things instead of Jesus. And I want to make a change today. Because there's no other way except through Jesus. No, no other satisfaction. And we say, yeah, but we want a quick fix, don't we? We do. But when Jesus comes in your life and begins to change your life the way he desires to change you, uh, it turns your world upside down and makes it right. Because we've all many times have got it so backwards. And God will lead us into that path of fullness. When Jesus said in John 10, 10, before the end, we were talking about the enemy. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life. And I know each one person here and y'all watching, you want abundant life. And I just believe it's there for the asking. And I believe it's there when we surrender. As God is saying, that you can have abundant life, life without, without any limit to the satisfaction that you desire. And I know you and I know this, but we all, we have as much of Jesus as we want, right? <laughs> We're willing to lay our lives down today and just say, Lord Jesus, do a work in me that you and you alone can do. Because see, really, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not obviously our striving in the flesh trying to work it up. But it's actually just yielding your life to the Spirit. And whatever it is that you need today. 
Jesus is the answer. Amen. I pray today we would get glimpses of the Father this coming week and the rest of our lives exactly who He is and His greatness, His, His majestic awesomeness, how who He is. And, and it will just really speak to your heart, change your life, and, and give you a hunger and thirst like you've never known to know Him and to walk with Him each and every day. That's my prayer for me, and I pray it for each and every one of you here today. Whatever it may be, we pray that God would touch you and meet your needs. Amen? Amen. We're going to have a time here in just a moment that we're going to ask the, uh, whoever would like to come up as part of the ministry team training to come up front and stand up here. Okay? And we're going to sing in just a moment. But before we close here with the live streaming, I want to thank all of you for watching today. I pray that every person here, if you've got a daddy, bless your daddy today. Bless your father, whatever it may be, maybe a phone call, maybe somehow making contact with him and just tell him you love him. We don't have our fathers, but a short period of time here on this earth. But your heavenly father, I pray today, if you haven't told him you love him, just tell him you love him. He loves to hear us when we talk to him and we share our love with him. Just tell him, I love you, father. I love you being my father. I know I have an earthly father. I love you, my heavenly father. And I want to know you. I will walk with you each and every moment of every day. I encourage you to do that. If you need healing, God heals. He is Jehovah Rapha, which is the God who healed. He's our healer. Amen. He's our deliverer. He's the one that we run to no matter what the issue is. I pray that would happen today. If there's a particular need in just a moment. We're going to come forward after we sing the song. And um, we're going to have people praying for you. Anybody will need prayer. And you say, but yeah, but I came up there last time. No, you come. You keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Okay. There's a breakthrough that's coming. And whatever the need may be, you can come. We can pray. Amen. Let's pray together. And then we're going to have a song. We're going to sing together. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time together. And we praise you. Thank you for this time that we can share about who you are as our father. We pray today blessings upon all fathers here in the natural. And Father, we pray today as we have come up short many, many, many times. We pray today we would get back up again and we would bless our children. We would bless those around us, our families and those that we associate with. Father, we thank you and praise you. If there be anyone here who's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, today may be the day that they surrender their hearts and say, Jesus, I need you to come in my life and save me. To come and forgive me of my sins and come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I believe that will happen if you're sincere and you truly are asking. If there be someone here who like to rededicate their life. Maybe you wandered away. Maybe you're a prodigal. You've, you've wandered away. You've drifted away. And you'd like to come back to Jesus. You want a, a vibrant, life-giving walk with Jesus Christ. Today may be that day that you just open your heart and say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I've drifted away. And I want to come back. Today will be that day. Whatever the need may be. But don't wait. If God's Spirit is knocking on your heart's door, today would be the day that you offer in your life and just say, Lord, I need you. Come in, touch me, and I believe you will. Father, do that today in this audience, in this audience that's watching, but also in this congregation who's here today. And we'll praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Happy Father's Day. You have a wonderful day in the Lord. And come back to see us again. Amen. Thank you.